Hello, thank you for tuning in to Permission Ministries. It's always our pleasure to be with you, and I, I get a kick out of it. I get to talk to my buddy Gary, who's a wealth of information, and, and we've been together longer than I can think, 20 years right, at least, years. talking this stuff over, walking it through, walking it through with lots of friends, and um, Gary feels like we're hitting a sweet spot. You know, we just had a great time with some of our leaders on a Zoom call. Remember, just sharing yeah, some sure, stories. Sure. Uh, one of our buddies, Rick Udi, is in uh, Ken- just went to Kenya. Right. He's been going there 17 years. Uh, Dan Shepler, who started, I don't know how many healing rooms in the Southwest and beyond, training people. It's just a fun group of people who just love Jesus, and we are just pursuing God as best we know how. And we're giving each other permission to be who we are, and we get to hang out and do it with friends, right? Exactly. Um, Today we're going to talk a little bit about one of our, we're in a series of talking about our values. Last week we covered, um, last two episodes we covered relationships and the importance of relational connections in church. Today I want to look a little bit more about um, what we feel is important as a living encounter with God. And the way I, the way I say that is that, you know, I, I was fortunate, Gary, it's interesting. I was, um, I had no church background whatsoever. And when I when I started going to church, I didn't. They would say Jew and Gentile. I didn't know the difference. Yeah. And yet I married this wonderful lady whose dad was a Baptist minister. So to me, it was always a fun contrast. Here's a, <laughs> here's a person raised in the church. Here's this guy. You know, uh, our weekends were parties and watching football, and we didn't go to church. And so this this collision of our marriage was always a, was always fun to watch how Joey would react and respond in certain situations. So how I had a different response. And I learned to appreciate both, actually. I loved her mm-hmm. history. Yeah. I loved the, the form the church brought and the traditions. But yet I also felt something was uncomfortable for me. Since I felt like it was a little rigid at times. So, And, of course, that would stretch her a little bit. But um, kind of what encapsulates it for me is I remember when I, I first started reading the Bible, and to me it was just someone gave me the book. I had no, no reference point. But in the process of reading... Um, it was late at night, I remember, because I would come home and read every night. And Gary, I'd come home stoned sometimes. I just, I, that's all I knew. I just <laughs> right. had to read the book. That's, all I, that's, that's yeah. where I was coming from. And going through the Gospels, I remember slamming the book and going, that's the truth. Now, how that happened, I don't know. It just, a light went on, and I remember a vivid experience of, of, the, of the room lighting me up, mm-hmm. having more light to us, like something happened. Looking back, I know what that was. During the moment, I just thought, well, this feels cool. But that encounter did something in my heart, and it cemented something. And so I've always treasured those encounters with God, that it's more than just, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, we were ta- chatting about the whole school system and the, the training system, the intellectual side, which is really important, obviously. But, you know, kind of that balance between that and, re- and, and encountering God, the actual experience with God. So that is an intro. Just give me your thoughts on that. Well, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, as I pursued relationships, I also had to simultaneously tend my own personal garden. And for me, that was a reality of, uh, man, all my life I had been exposed to uh, devotional time, and my mother was a great, she, she I remember, I, it was impossible for me to wake up and walk into the kitchen for something to eat for breakfast without seeing her table with her Bible and her notebook and her pen and maybe a concordance. Um, and so she modeled for me this devotional life. The problem is that that may not be what friendship is. Hmm. Let me tell you, I'll stretch you guys to the full, full level. I have... 
you know, my, my lineage, my timeline, my dad was a pastor, I was a pastor, my brother is a pastor, my son is a pastor, a couple of my grandsons are ordained ministers. So I, we, we laugh that we don't have, you know, reunions, we have conventions when we get together. <laughs> but see, all of that stuff was what we did, not who we are. Mm -hmm. Who you are in private, who you are in the dark, is really who you are. So I have gone, guys, I have been in, in ministry almost, you know, 55 years, I think, total. But it, it was not always friendship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. I was a producer. I thought my, my purpose in life was the sermonator. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Then I started traveling, four meetings a day, whatever. It, it was not feeding my heart, my personal garden. Mm. I have done devotions at every level. First of all, I used to be really mad at the fact that everybody had to do devotions early before the sun rose, you know, that God was never um, available beyond that early morning time, and that was part of your discipline. I tried that. Uh, I can, you know, have all kinds of experiences that. Make a long story short, in the end of my Towards the end of just actually living out my life as a pastor and a friend and a leader, I moved into what uh, I think it's a Catholic discipline called Lectio Divina mm -hmm. and Divine Lecture. And let me tell you how it looked. I, first of all, I live in, a, in the beach community of Southern California. And so my idea of spending time with God was driving down to the coast uh, in one case, it was just a few blocks from my house, and I would drive down there in my convertible car, <laughs> you know, put the top down. It was kind of a different atmospheric condition. Sounds like a rough life. That's right. <laughs> but here's how it worked. I had, a, I had an iPad, and I, the iPad case would fit perfectly over my steering wheel. Well, Lectio Divina means to read a text, not to devour the text or word search the text, or, you know, outline the text. It's to read the text until God speaks. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd flip the iPad over the steering wheel, and I went to the Psalms. And I went to the Psalms in different translations. The most profitable one for me in that level of my life, in that season of my life, was The Message yeah. by Eugene Peterson. I'm not here to debate whether it's translation or paraphrase. I just know that when I'd read, and I was stuck in the Psalms. It, this is so crazy. This was like Bible bingo in junior high class. <laughs> I would flip the thing over. I'm in the dark or in the light in the, for sunrise, and I would be able to flip through the Psalms and point to a verse, and I'd read it. And I'd read it until God spoke. And then after he spoke to my spirit, I would just close it all up, put it on my the other uh, seat, and just meditate on it. I'd even sing it. This you mean will... you weren't preparing for a next sermon, huh? Exactly. That's the point. Yeah. That's what I had done my whole life. Anything that came by revelation usually got violated by knowledge. Right, right. But this was just for me. Yeah, yeah. And God spoke to my heart and said, don't use any props. 
So I, I didn't take a concordance anymore or a notebook anymore. I didn't do journaling there. I just took it in, breathed it in, the whole thing of inspiration of God breathed. And that changed my, my personal life with God. Right. That's what changed everything else. Yeah. Changed my relationship with my wife, changed my relationship with my friends. So what are you doing to self-feed? Mm -hmm. no, not sermons. I know what it's like to have a table as big as this table and concordances and commentaries spread all over it and page after page. I, I'm not talking about sermonating. I'm talking about sonship. Mm -hmm. And, and I had a friend sitting across the table with me one day, and he just stopped in our meal, and he said, Gary, I need to ask you a favor. I said, sure, man, go ahead. And it was a confrontation. He said, would you do me a favor? Would you start acting like a well-loved son? Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you that, pastor, let me, church leader, Bible study leader, teacher, whatever. What are you first? Right. You're not your gift. You're a son. Yeah. You're a daughter. Yeah. And so... Um, well, Jesus talked about this so much. I mean, John 15, you know, no longer do I call you um, servant. I call you friend. Friends, friends. They were friends first and foremost. I love, I love the picture too of John 12. It's one of my favorite portions where Jesus is sitting at the table. He's been invited for a meal. Mm -hmm. at the house of Lazarus and Mary, Mary's at his feet as usual Martha, Martha's ministering and Lazarus is sitting next to the couch and I've always seen my relationship with the Lord has got different dynamics we wear different hats you know you're exactly. a father or a husband you know we're, we're all these different things and even our relationship with God we're, we're, we are servants right. we love to serve you know it's our, it's our, it's our passion so like, so like Martha we're busy serving like Mary we're at his feet worshiping but I love this idea of Lazarus just kicking it at the couch you know, yeah. eating and talking. I don't know about last week's football game. Who knows what they were doing? They were just—they were just friends. There was a bond between those two, and we get to do all that with God. So you're exactly. saying, out of that relationship, friendship, it changes the way we come to God. It changes the way we think about God. Um, I know for me, I, this sounds strange sometimes with people. I say, you know, I, I read the Bible less. I meditate more. Exactly. Because at the point where I'll, I, I I love to open the Bible, I love reading the Bible, but I can't. Sometimes I can't get past the first verse mm -hmm. where I'm I'm gripped by something, and then my mind starts chewing on that and meditating on it, which really is the command. Right. It doesn't say so much read the Bible all the time. It says meditate on His Word. So I'm all for reading. I think you have to have a, a you know you have to have a general understanding of the Word of God, which is great if you know as you get older in the Lord, especially. But God begins to speak more specifically about things. Yeah, it's it's like you, and this shows up in how you lead. Right. Are you talking to people, right. or are you talking with them? Right. And uh, the whole idea of doing church differently is not doing your role differently. It's doing the whole thing differently, because it involves all of us. Right. Right. And so, uh, I've been in the weeping zone. Maybe some of you will identify with this. I've been in the weeping weeping zone probably for two decades. Right if not three, where I I told someone one day, I said, I probably have put my head down to weep in every coffee shop in my town. Mm. And I'm sure that someone, one of the baristas thinks, oh, that poor old guy, he's alone. And he's all, he must have gone through grief, must be a widower. But what it was is I'd be reading the scripture or not. 
just staring out the window at a local Starbucks and feel his presence. That's what intimacy is. His presence, and I'll say it in this way, his presence coming into your predicament. Right. That's what chaotic leadership is, that you join along someone. Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? You bring your nurture. What's the incarnation? It's God showing up into our world. In the flesh, exactly. In the flesh. It's not just a a cosmic thought. It's actual encounter with the living God who we are in his image. And as much as we are people who need connection, I believe God is too, and I've um, been reading a lot about the Trinity lately and how we've been invited into the role, the relational con- context of the, Trin- of the Trinity. In fact, God is relational within himself. He is yes, a relationship, yes. which is a bizarre concept for us. It's almost like God's schizophrenic. That's right. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, who are you? He's all those things. He's relational, and we've been invited into that process. Yeah, I, I love the phrase that the, the, the Trinity is the divine dance. Exactly. Uh, with one, you can have love. With two, you can have power with three you have community right right. so we're going for community and this is all again back to this reality we all have a personal relationship with god right i don't know how many times i would stop in a leaders meeting and i say you know what guys um what's god saying to you right now this what's he been saying to you this past week and what i found out that was more important than what my agenda was Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's changed my whole way of preaching too, Gary. Yeah. I mean, I very, you know, I used to be a three-point sermon guy like most of us. I do my Greek study, I do this and that. I'd get down and, and it worked. <clears throat> but as I get I've gotten older and more seasoned, I find I just pray, thank, and and many times God says, "I'll give it when you get there." Or out of my devotions, I'm just sharing with God. It's life. It's it's life in me. It's alive because I'm experiencing it. I'm having an encounter. I'm having fresh revelation. I'm just giving that out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And well, and here's is the, the maybe the great contrast between what you do and who you are. You know the word. We are not human doings. Exactly. We're human beings. Right. And and let's let's back the bus up all the way to the back. How are you? Let's go relational backup check. Mm-hmm. How are you with the father? Right. How are you with your your spouse or your family? How are you with your friends? The congregation and what you do for 45 minutes a week is way out there. That's your gifting being expressed at a different level. Um, When my kids were young, I remember I would walk down the street. Wherever I was walking, if they were young, I'd hold their hand. It wasn't wasn't a bad thing for a little eight-year-old boy for his father to hold his hand. Right. He's 55 now. I may, I may get in trouble, you know. But the point of it was even the proximity of relationship. Picture Jesus drawing near. Yeah. The word for presence in the Old Testament is pane, the face. The face of God. The face yeah. of God, where the part of the face turns. Yeah. That's the kind of intimacy we want. And it's not just leading... I'm sorry. If you lead a prayer meeting, that's awesome. But I think you can get more preoccupied with leading the prayer meeting than you are spending time with the Father. Yeah. 
that was a big turn for me of realizing prayer wasn't just putting my my list of things I'm going to recite yeah. to God, but first and foremost, just encountering the Father and just asking Him what's on His heart and joining Him in that discussion. Now, it was a real shift for me too, Gary. You know this story, and I've probably shared it before that that you know being in a being a uh, a guy, especially in America, we're very we're very performance driven. Whether it's because we play sports or we, yeah. you know, first question I ask a guy, you do, what do you do for work? Yeah. You know, we want to, we're categorizing each other. And so we have this heavy load of performance. And the Lord took me to a motorcycle shop where I had encounters with him. And if you, if you read the Bible in Genesis, it's all about God encountering Abraham. He says, exactly. Abraham, I'm going to make you a, a mighty nation. The next 25 years, we're going to walk through some things. I'm going to walk it out with you. So I, I think it's important for people to realize that, um, even where you're at today, God is faithful to encounter you. And he's exactly. trying to teach you something. Just look at where you're at in your present day. What's going on in your life? What's going on in your work? Is it possible God's speaking to you because he wants to have a relationship with you? Yeah, I think, I think Mike, the idea of, um, of taking yourself, for example, you were a quarterback in high school. You know how to kind of lead the team, yada, yada, yada. And putting you in that motorcycle shop, and I don't know that you were even, you know, a heavy-duty motorcycle guy. Not at all. You know? Not at all. So the idea was um, tag your it. That's not God saying, I've got your gift, and I'm going to perfect it and grow it, because your gift is not who you are. Right. Son, lean in. That's what it did. It forced me to lean into God in a different way that yeah. I wasn't used to. I wasn't having to prepare sermons. I didn't even have a church I was pastoring. In fact, that whole title was being put on the back shelf and I had to relate to God in a new way. And the thing he told me was, I, I, I want you to know I, I love you, not because you're in the pulpit, because you're just, you're my son. Yeah. Just because you're my son. Back to the thing on identity. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know what, what is bogging you down. Maybe you're in fact, your success in the local church. What's bogging you down that pulls you away from the performance part of you to the son part of you. Yeah. And so we're talking about, and it's impossible. And this is not, my grandkids talk about doing your devos. And I'm thinking, we even got an abbreviation for devotions, you know. And it's, it's like, again, all your devotional life is, is, is actually a new form of preparation for your sermon. Yeah, yeah. What about time just with you? Time with Father. Well, if there's anything you get out of this today, folks, just know that the Father loves you. He wants to be with you. And it just just like any friendship, just takes a little time. So get a cup of coffee, find a comfortable place, and just come with expectancy to meet the Father. God bless you.